1: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Highliner Foods Incorporated Conference Call for results of the first quarter of 2020. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following managers prepared remarks, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star key followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. This conference call is being recorded today, Tuesday, May 12, 2020, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time for replay purposes. I would now like to turn the call over to Heather Keeler-Hirschman, Vice President of Invest Relations and Communications for Highlander Foods. Ms. Keeler-Hirschman, please go ahead.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining Highlander Foods' conference call to discuss our financial results for the first quarter of 2020. On the call today from Highlander Foods are Rod Heppenstahl, President and Chief Executive Officer and Paul Jewer, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. To adhere with current social distancing measures resulting from COVID-19 and Highlander Foods related work from home policy, Rod, Paul and I have each dialed in from remote locations. While we've taken additional precautions to minimize potential technical disruptions, we ask for your patience and understanding should there be any disruptions in this regard? In a moment, I'll pass the call over to Rod for some remarks on our performance in the first quarter and the impact of COVID-19 on our business before handing over to Paul, who will review the financial performance for the first quarter. Rod will then make some final remarks before opening the call up to questions. I would like to remind listeners that we use certain non-IFRS measures and ratios when discussing our financial results, as we believe these are useful in assessing the company's financial performance. These measures are fully described and reconciled to IFRS measures in our MD&A. Listeners are also reminded that certain statements made in today's call may be forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainties. Management may use forward-looking statements when they discuss the company's strategy and business in the future. Actual operating or financial results could differ materially from those anticipated in these forward-looking statements. Highliner Foods includes a thorough discussion of the risk factors that can cause its anticipated outcomes to differ from actual outcomes in its publicly available disclosure documents. Particularly in its annual report and its annual information form, please note that Highliner Foods is under no obligation to update any forward-looking statements discussed today. Earlier today, Highliner Foods reported its financial results for the first quarter ended March 28, 2020. That news release, along with the company's MD&A and unaudited condensed interim consolidated financial statements for the first quarter of 2020, have been filed on Cedar and can also be found in the investor information section of the Highliner Foods website. If you'd like to receive our news releases in the future, please visit the company's website to register. Lastly, please note that the company reports its financial results in U.S. dollars, and the results to be discussed today are stated in U.S. dollars, unless otherwise noted. Highliner Foods' common shares trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange and are quoted in Canadian dollars. I will now turn the call over to Rod. Rod, please go ahead.
2: Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. As you've seen in our Q1 news release, we had a strong start to the year in both our retail and food service businesses. Our sales volume was higher year over year despite the impact of known lost business previously disclosed. The market is continuing to respond positively to our product innovations and enhanced sales and marketing customer engagement processes. We are gaining traction with consumers as we seek to expand seafood eating occasions. And in Q1, we expanded these beyond Lent to also include healthy resolutions and snacking. We are driving profitability and continuous improvement across the business. Overall, we were fortunate that the bulk of our strongest first quarter sales period was behind us, but it was prior to the impact of COVID-19. We're also fortunate that our critical initiative work of 2019 strengthened and aligned our business to better manage through these unprecedented times. our best from our organization and a flexible and efficient supply chain. These two factors are making a huge difference in our ability to respond rapidly and effectively to the evolving needs of our customers. The evolving customer needs started mid-March when social distancing restrictions took hold in North America. Segments of the food service industry in essence closed and consumers began to stockpile groceries. We met this with increased, this increased demand with a on the retail side with excellent fill rates and quickly began working with our restaurant customers to pivot to takeout and delivery options. Like other companies in the food industry providing essential services at this time, at this critical time, our COVID response is focused on the health and safety of our employees and business partners. We moved quickly to implement additional precautionary measures and protocols in mid-March when the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. Our new protocols are aligned with recommendations from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Health Canada, as well as evolving best practices in the food industry. As the pandemic evolves, we will continue to implement measures designed to protect the health and safety of our employees, including when the time comes, ensuring a careful transition of our salaried workforce back to the office environment. As we disclosed previously, unfortunately, we have had positive cases of COVID-19 amongst frontline team members at our Portsmouth facility. From an operational perspective, I was very proud of how well our team executed executed our COVID-19 response plan to quickly take the necessary and responsible actions and also how well we were able to minimize the impact on our customers. As a case in point, when we temporarily suspended production at our Portsmouth plant on April 20th for one week, we transferred approximately half of the volume normally produced at that facility to our other two plants in record timing of a matter of days to keep products flowing to our customers and families across North America. Overall, our supply chain is operated with minimal disruption during COVID-19. There have been limited interruptions in production, transportation, and warehousing activities, and no significant issues related to procurement of raw materials and ingredients. From a financial management point of view, we are operating with a careful eye on cost. Like other food processors, the cost of doing business has increased due to COVID-19 as a result of necessity of extraordinary recognition paid for our frontline employees, personal protective equipment, safety enhancements, and increased sanitation. To help minimize the net impact of COVID-19, we are taking all of the necessary steps to manage spending and preserve cash at this time, including adjustments to our workforce and deferring approximately $6 million of the $15 million we previously planned to spend on capital expenditures in 2020. Despite the current challenges, we remain focused on driving continuous improvement across our business to further optimize our end-to-end supply chain and rolling out more new product innovation when our customers are ready. In many respects it is a time of opportunity for us as consumers try our products for the first time we are focused on retaining these customers and are aligning our strategies with evolving shopping habits and consumer preferences for example we know that customers are shopping less frequently and are doing so with larger basket sizes increasingly online purchases and in search of value offering, offerings and healthy protein in response to these trends we are ensuring that our branded offerings are listed on retailer sites to support growing online sales we have increased production of products sold under all of our key consumer brands including highliner sea cuisine and fisher boy we are also working to transfer some of our food service product to retail to the retail channel to help support the increased demand and offset challenges being experienced with other proteins this is a win win as it puts excess product to good use while supporting consumer demand for bulk purchasing in addition to our value offerings, we are seeing good uptick in our, le- in our latest product innovations including paddock bites, fish wings, and miso cod. With the summer approaching, we are also preparing to capitalize on a time frame that is somewhat underdeveloped for seafood. We've launched our power-packed burgers to give consumers a healthy alternative for the grilling season and have more products like this in the pipeline. In terms of what lies ahead, our business will continue to be directly impacted by the duration of government-imposed social distancing measures related to COVID-19, specifically timing for reopening of current shuttered segments of the food service industry and related consumer behaviors at which this point both remain uncertain. Despite the strength of our retail business, we anticipate the declines in the food service side of our business may limit our our ability to deliver year-over-year EBITDA growth for 2020 during this time of unprecedented uncertainty, we are focused on the factors that are within our control, which include leveraging our product, our our portfolio, brands, and manufacturing network to meet increased consumer demands for our products. Partnering with our food service industry customers as they pivot to takeout and delivery options and to ensure readiness for a quick ramp up as and when social distancing restrictions are lifted across North America and consumer demand returns carefully managing costs and capital expenditures, and driving ahead with continuous improvements to increase our resilience, reduce risk, and achieve cost savings. I will turn the call over to Paul to discuss our first quarter financial performance.
3: Thank you, Rod, and good afternoon, everyone. Please note that all comparisons provided during my financial review of the first quarter of 2020 are relative to the first quarter of 2019, unless otherwise noted. Sales volume decreased in the first quarter by 1.2 million pounds to 77.3 million pounds. In our retail business, sales volume was lower overall due to previously disclosed lost business in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2019, partially offset by a surge in demand in late March related to COVID-19. In our food service business, sales volume was lower overall due to the impact of COVID-19 on our food service customers in late March. Prior to the net unfavorable impact of COVID-19, sales volume increased in the first quarter of 2020 compared to the first quarter of 2019 due to new business and new product sales. Sales in U.S. dollars decreased in the first quarter by $8.8 million to $268.6 million due to the lower volume and changes in sales mix. Gross profit increased in the first quarter by $2.7 million to $58.8 million, and gross profit as a percentage of sales increased by 170 basis points to 21.9% compared to 20.2%. These increases reflect favorable changes in product mix and improved supply chain efficiencies related to the critical initiatives completed in fiscal 2019. Adjusted EBITDA decreased in the first quarter by $1.5 million to $30.7 million, and adjusted EBITDA as a percentage of sales decreased by 20 basis points to 11.4% compared to 11.6%. This decrease, however, reflects the inclusion of $5.5 million of the $8.5 million recovery received from the ingredient supplier in the first quarter of 2019 associated with our 2017 product recall. Excluding the $5.5 million recovery from the first quarter of 2019, adjusted EBITDA increased by $4 million due to the increase in gross profit discussed previously and a decrease in distribution and net SG&A expenses. The impact of converting our Canadian dollar denominated operations and corporate activities to our US dollar presentation currency decreased the value of reported adjusted EBITDA in U.S. dollars by $3.2 million in the first quarter of 2020 compared to $2.1 million in 2019. Reported net income decreased in the first quarter by $600,000 to $14.2 million, and diluted earnings per share decreased by $0.02 to $0.41. The decrease in net income Reflects the decrease in adjusted EBITDA discussed previously, but was partially offset by a decrease in share based compensation expenses, finance costs, and income tax expense. Turning now to cash flows from operations in the balance sheet, net cash flows from operating activities decreased by $25 million to $2 million in the first quarter of 2020, primarily reflecting changes in net in non cash working capital and lower cash flows from operations, partially offset by lower interest and income tax payments. The changes in net non-cash working capital are are the result of increases in inventories and reductions in accounts payable, partially offset by favorable changes in accounts receivable and provisions. Net debt increased by $9.1 million to $355.7 million at the end of the first quarter of 2020 compared to $346.6 million at the end of fiscal 2019, reflecting increased working capital requirements and increase in short-term borrowings to support operations as a result of COVID-19 and higher lease liabilities, partially offset by debt repayments in the first quarter of 2020 due to cash flows from operations in 2019 and a higher cash-on-hand balance at March 28, 2020, as compared to the end of fiscal 2019. Net debt to adjusted EBITDA was 4.2 times at March 28, 2020, compared to 4.1 times at the end of fiscal 2019. This ratio may not improve or may be higher by the end of fiscal 2020 as a result of the anticipated potential negative impact of COVID-19 on adjusted EBITDA. However, we continue to expect that the company will be in compliance with all covenants and terms of our banking facilities during fiscal 2020. We are confident in our liquidity position as a result of prudent cash management and the early refinancing of our debt in Q4 of 2019. We do not have any impending debt maturities and will continue to utilize our $150 million working capital credit facility if required. Borrowings on this facility, net of cash on hand, are currently only approximately $29 million. That concludes my financial review, and I will now turn the call back over to Rod for some final remarks before opening the call up to questions.
2: Thank you, Paul. Before we move into our Q&A period, I'd like to quickly recap the key takeaways from the call. We are well positioned to navigate through the current economic uncertainty and fluctuating customer demand. We have robust COVID-19 and business continuity plans in place and they are standing up to the test. We are maximizing our resources to support increased retail demand and support our customers with excellent fill rates. Our food service business has been negatively impacted due to the various closures or stay in place restrictions across North America, however, We are helping our food service customers pivot to takeout and delivery options and are ensuring readiness as and when social distancing restrictions are listed. The health and safety of our employees and business partners is our top priority, and we are doing all we can to safeguard them and our operations at this critical time. Overall, while I recognize the significant uncertainty we all face, I remain confident in the resilience of our operations thanks to our solid balance sheet, early debt refinancing, and significant liquidity. I also believe in our potential to deepen our customer relationships by satisfying their evolving needs as a result of our flexible and integrated supply chain and responsive sales teams. While our ability to generate year-over-year EBITDA growth in 2020 may be impacted by COVID-19 pandemic, we are doing all we can to drive towards that goal. I look forward to your questions. Operator, please start the Q&A period.
1: Thank you. At this time, we will be conducting our student-answer session. In order to ask a question, we ask that you please press star, then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. We will pause for a brief moment to compile a Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of George Dumais with Scotia Bank. George, your line is open.
4: Thank you. Hi, this is Jonathan Garfinkel calling in for George. Um, I was just wondering if you could provide an update how how inventory, inventory levels are now looking. I believe the last call you mentioned there was enough inventory through late May or early June that you had bought ahead of the Chinese New Year.
1: Yeah, Yeah. So certainly at this
3: stage, we feel very comfortable with our uh, our inventory uh, position. We were uh, fortunate, you're correct, as we identified on our last call, that we had uh, strong inventory levels going in uh, to Chinese New Year, and that allowed us to to position ourselves very well with our customers uh, in terms of service levels and fill rates. Uh, As uh, China moved through its period of COVID-19, fortunately, they have moved through that period, uh, and we are getting steady supply of product uh, from our processors um, and remain in a good position uh, to meet our uh, demands, and I would say our increasing demands, particularly on the retail side of our business uh, for our products.
4: Okay, great. Thanks. And, um, yeah, just... I was wondering how much additional costs do you know, anticipate in Q2 from extra sanitation expenses or bonuses and other COVID-related expenses?
3: Yeah, nothing at this point that I'd uh, give uh, full disclosure on, as we're still working on uh, a number of those initiatives. Uh, as Rod said, uh, as we identify further opportunities to do anything uh, to help protect the safety Uh, and health of our employees and to ensure the resiliency of our operations, we'll continue to look at those. So, there will be some expense associated with that, uh, but that's expense that we're very comfortable managing uh, in our uh, overall uh, operations and the right thing to do for the the long-term health
0: of our business.
4: Okay. Great. Thanks. And just uh, one more for me. I was wondering if you could discuss the steps in getting the Portsmouth plant back online and just uh, what drop in production levels are you currently experiencing? In that plant and the other plants compared to a more normal
2: environment yeah Jonathan uh, as I mentioned um, I was very very pleased with the team's uh, reaction and decisive action to uh, suspend uh, production when we had uh, identified the situation Uh, the steps that we've taken uh, to reopen that plant are at the uh, leading edge of the CDC and Health Canada requirements in conjunction with any of the industry best practices and they include Things such as enhanced uh, PPE, um, uh, social distancing measures, uh, increased sanitation, all the way through to, uh, quite frankly, complete repositioning of walkways and uh, um, uh, other uh, measures taken within the plant. So, as it relates to uh, production impact, quite frankly, that plant is back up and running at full production, and we anticipate it uh, remaining so with the extraordinary measures we've taken in that plant, as well as others.
4: Okay, thank you. That's it for me. I'll pass the line.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Saba Khan with RBC Capital Market. Saba, your line is open.
4: Hi, it's Chris on for Saba. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, the shift in production or product mix from food service to retail and how that's expected to impact margins going forward and and what the relative margin differential is between the two two channels.
2: Yeah, so let me maybe I'll take the uh, the question on the shift in, in mix um, and so on, and, and Paul can certainly take any of the questions on, uh, on margin. But um, actually, the uh, we're extremely well positioned to take advantage of the shift in uh, consumer demand and buying more uh, at product at home, uh, with uh, the flexibility of our network to make retail product. Uh, quite frankly, in all three of our facilities at this at this point, so uh, we have seen that shift as we've outlined. But as far as the product makeup, uh, there is some some opportunity, as mentioned uh, earlier, for us to sell cross channel, and we're taking advantage of that as well.
3: Yeah, and just to add to uh, what Rod said, in terms of uh, margin, uh, there really isn't um, a a meaningful difference in margin between our food service channel or our retail channel overall. Um, The the nature of our margin tends to differ by the nature of the product. Uh, So. Where we have seen uh, some benefit in terms of margin and mix uh, is the fact that we have seen an increase in value-added product uh, sales as we've moved uh, through this uh, crisis, um, and our branded, pro- uh, branded value-added product sales uh, typically carry uh, higher margins than our uh, pure commodity sales.
4: Okay, great. Thanks. And then on the CapEx reduction for 2020, can you elaborate on um, the types of projects that have been put on hold versus what you will uh, continue with through the year?
3: Yeah, it is uh, primarily uh, repairs and maintenance projects that we've just looked at reprioritizing in the circumstances. Uh, There were were no projects put on hold uh, that were projects that we would identify as uh, what I'll call profit improvement projects where we wouldn't be making investments uh, to improve our uh, overall performance. Uh, any of those would uh, still be uh, included, uh, and we may reprioritize and, and pursue some of those uh, other repairs and maintenance projects that we have currently put on hold uh, as we see how uh, the COVID-19 situation unfolds through the balance of the year. Okay, great. And then
4: just one last one for me on um, the, the COVID-19 impact. Can you talk about some of the cost reduction initiatives that you're looking at And and what that might mean on a run rate basis uh, for the rest of the year?
3: Uh, Yeah, I won't give any guidance looking forward in terms of what it will mean on a run rate basis, Um, but we've got a number of areas where we've looked at opportunities uh, on the cost side. Obviously, uh, you know, SGA is one area where uh, costs are naturally lower. Uh, As you can imagine, travel budgets are lower than they would otherwise uh, be uh, in the circumstances. Uh, you, you see some uh, change in the way product is promoted or sales and marketing spend on the SG&A side. Uh, and then we're also uh, very carefully looking at uh, expenditures uh, on the plant side uh, and how we make sure uh, we make the most of our capacity utilization across our, uh, our three-plant network. Uh, and, of course, the most important area for us on the cost side is raw material costs. Um, and one thing we believe we may see, uh, still too early to tell for, uh, with any certainty, uh, is some opportunity on seafood costs as we look forward, uh, and we will continue to uh, do our best to manage raw material costs uh, through this uh,
5: crisis, through the balance of the year. Okay, thanks. That's all from me.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Jonathan Lamars with BMO Capital Markets. Jonathan, your line is open.
6: Good afternoon. Go ahead, within your food with you. service business, sorry, within your food service business, what portion would typically be to the restaurant channel and what portion would typically be institutional?
2: So that's a, we we actually uh, uh, have a, a a great segment makeup, I would say, Jonathan, without getting into specifics. What I can't tell you is this is, you know, the, the typically the restaurant industry is made up of 10 segments, and if we look at the segments that most impacted fine dining, uh, is an example is down roughly 82 percent, and healthcare is down roughly 17. Those are the latest published uh, information. Um, seafood, typic- uh, frozen seafood typically does not index very high in fine dining, and well over indexes in areas such as healthcare um, and other segments of the uh, the industry that, that haven't been hit nearly as hard as the fine dining segment. So I think the the fact that we have a great diversification across the restaurant um, channel. Um, is certainly helping us uh, as we navigate through the uncertainty.
6: Okay, that's helpful. And um, can you comment on April sales or sales since the end of Q1? How demand has been trending to each of the food service and retail channels?
3: Yeah, I can't comment specifically um, on uh, on the sales in the current quarter we're in um, for obvious reasons. Uh, but I would uh, say that we have seen some improvement in um, food service sales as we've moved moved uh, through um, the month of April into May. Um, perhaps not surprisingly, uh, as you start to see uh, some sectors of the economy start to uh, start start to reopen and you see some of our customers start to prepare their inventory levels uh, as that as they see that activity starting to uh, starting to pick up. Um, so, that's obviously the key thing that uh, we're watching is what will, what will occur over the course of the next uh, number of weeks and months uh, in terms of reactivity uh, in those sectors of food service that Rod referred to.
6: Okay, uh, thanks. I mean, Rod referred to some metrics for the fine dining and for the um, health channel. Are you able to provide any sort of industry metrics that we should be uh thinking about as we think about Highliners um exposure to the food service channel? Uh in, terms,
3: in terms of how much industry
6: sales, just, just in terms of how much industry sales would be down for the uh areas uh, of food service most relevant?
3: Yeah, I think I think it probably depends on the mix of business that either the the uh the, the company that Doing the selling of the product, like us, or the distributor has uh, some distributors over-indexed to healthcare versus schools uh, versus full-service restaurants. Um, so I, I, I would, in that case, I think refer you to in particular a couple of the public companies that are distributors uh, who have given some perspective on what their business uh, overall looks like. Um, and you know what I can tell you is. Um, We're we're pleased with our mix of business on average uh, compared to the industry overall, uh, given the fact that we um, have the indexing to some of the sectors that Rod referred to.
6: Thank you.
5: Uh,
1: Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star. then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Kyle McPhee with Cormark Securities. Kyle, your line is open.
5: Hi, guys. Uh, You mentioned that volume growth was positive in Q1 prior to the COVID impact that that started in the back half of March. Can you maybe quantify how positive that growth was Um, or, or maybe just comment on the contributors to that growth? I know you had a contract loss in Q4 that hasn't been lapped. So what exactly were those positive contributors offsetting that?
3: Yeah. So the, the, two, the two key contributors to the growth uh, were, uh, and almost on, I would say, equal uh, footing, were new product sales. So the launch of new products from an innovation perspective, which we're uh, very pleased with, and also new customer acquisition. Uh, so uh, the, the volume of business in both of those areas uh, was uh, sufficient to offset the known customer losses that we've uh, we've talked about uh, in the past, uh, and that. we wanted to highlight that because that's the first quarter in some time where we've been able to get to that position uh where new product and new customer growth has offset uh some of that uh lost business uh and uh you know it was uh it it was uh positive as all i'll say at at this stage prior to uh the impact of covid19 but remember the impact of covid19 really was in the last uh 12 to 15 days of the quarter so it was uh, for uh, for the for the, the highest uh, majority of the quarter that uh, we did
5: experience that growth got it and and the new product sales uh, I think last quarter you you said that contributed two percent volume growth year over year I think that worked out to about five million dollars is it still are those new product sales still rolling in at about that rate or has it accelerated uh
3: yeah actually it's a very uh very similar rate i would say in uh, in the first quarter uh, in terms of a percentage of uh, growth. Uh, so we were uh, pleased to see that trend continue.
5: Got it. Okay. Uh, and just any, when when you referred to the volume growth for COVID, uh, it was a little bit confusing in your prepared remarks. Was that for the total company or just for food service? Uh,
3: that was for the total company, uh, but was driven predominantly by food service.
5: Got it. Uh, okay. Um, and then last question for me, just. Covid aside, uh, and what that's doing to to your business mix, is your gross margin kind of at the new steady state now? I know you guys have already lapped a lot of the sales mix shifts uh, on the top line uh, that happened last year, cutting out lower margin business. So should we expect, again, Covid aside, should we expect gross margin to stay around here, or is there still room for expansion?
1: Well,
3: I'd say first of all, putting Covid aside is a hard thing to do in the current circumstances, but uh, we'll 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 stay with you on that. Um, in, in terms of gross margin, um, I would say clearly you'll see some uh, changes quarter to quarter just based on the seasonality in our business. Uh, but overall, if you look at it on, on an annual uh, perspective, we do believe there's still some room to improve from a gross margin perspective. We've, we've got a number of critical initiatives that we executed in 2019 that are continuing uh, to deliver benefits. That benefit in Q1 was higher than it was in the previous quarters in 2019, uh, so that does give us uh, confidence that we can continue to uh, improve uh, the gross margin in our business over time, obviously, once we get through uh, this, uh,
5: this COVID impacted period. Got it. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks. Thanks,
1: Hal. there are no further questions, I will now turn the call back over to Rod Hepenstall for closing remarks.
2: Thank you. To close, I want to thank you for joining our call today, and we look forward to updating you with results from our second quarter of 2020 on our next conference call in August. Please stay safe and well.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.